Well, I mean, it's a good question. I was in Germany a couple of months ago to do a seminar for baubles, and a friend of mine um, offered me a puppy. Great temperament, so absolutely stunning temperament, really feisty, really civil, you know, just very, very uh, dominant um, female. Again, great angulation, great top line. Jowls were too loose, the ears were too big, the head was dome-shaped, and, and the shape of a skull and the, phys- the, the, the... You can already tell what the temperament's going to be like. Mm. For me, from my experience, like I, I, I can tell by the physiological look of a dog exactly what its temperament's going to be like. Um, and so it was a no-no for me. And it was just a shame because it's like I took a dog over from the Netherlands, great, great angulation, great top line, great head, great muzzle length, uh, bauble, but again, just not aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. Really, really flat, docile temperaments, really passive, really submissive, and that was the most ultra-dominant male in the litter. So that was sent back to the Netherlands. Well, it's really difficult to tell. You see, if you're a breeder, you have to breed for market demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people say, oh, yeah, but we breed for ourselves. I mean, it, it's a load of baloney. It really is. I mean, okay, you breed for yourselves, then you must, A, have a considerably large pool of money. That it doesn't matter to you what the market kid dictates. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is at some point you're going to have to outsource dogs or get dogs from outside. Then you're going to have to be in contact with other breeders who are breeding for market demands. So then you're stifled. Like, where do you go? Um, what you... And so... I don't really think that in the bobble breed, I think it's really difficult to say so on, and I think it's a reflection of all the mastiffs, all the mastiffs. I think the whole concept for working dog is slowly starting to disintegrate in today's society. And I think it's a societal thing. And I think that whether the bull breeds will, I mean, what is the place of a bull breed if it isn't for work as a gladiator, as a hunter, as a, as a formidable, you know, uh, guardian breed? Then what is its role? You see, if the role of the dog is to be kept intact as a working dog, the, the bull breeds, then one would have to carry on selecting for this through work. But if the society's views and opinions are changing, mm-hmm. then where's this going to lead to? And it's not that it's all about doom and gloom. It isn't. I mean, you see, you will have hobbyists. So... For example, the band dog is becoming increasingly popular now. 
Well, look, I mean, first of all, it's a lot more cost-effective mm-hmm. to put two game dogs, two really, really high-drive bull-breed-type dogs, put them together and, and, and you don't care because you're doing it for yourself, right? So that's real working pugilists will probably go for the band dogs mm-hmm. and do that sort of mixing. The Puritans of breeds and the 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 the, the, the niche market that cries out for pure breeds, especially in the bull type breeds, uh, is usually the pet dog market, and they want. And so, when you look at it, let's just say a bauble costs three thousand euros. Three, three and a half thousand dollars they're going for sometimes four thousand five thousand dollars in the USA I mean first of all if you're a working man and and you need a dog it's your two but most working people can't afford that sort of money for a dog and they shouldn't need to Right, because if I could buy a German Shepherd for, let's just say, a thousand euros or a Dutch herder, and it does the work, and I just have to put in the training, then that's great. But if if I buy a bauble for three and a half thousand, then it doesn't it doesn't want to jump. It's got no motivation, no prey drive, no hunt drive, mm-hmm. no, and it wags its tail and just wants to lick and 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 play around and like roll on its back all day i mean imagine the amount of time and effort one has to put in to make that into a working dog and you can make it into a working dog but that's only a breed fanciest choice that doesn't make it right Mm -hmm. it means you can do it because you have the skills to do but it doesn't make it right and i think like that you see, when you look at the breed standards, what happens is every few years you will have a judge or a chairman appointed to the head of a breed registry. And they will have their own type that they like. And every breeder wants to be the chairman of a breed registry because it gives them the core plans that their dogs get high appraisal scores, they get in the shows, they means overseas sales, particularly exports, uh, stat fees, and it, it's great marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is for them. We pugilists are working dogs, so for us, that isn't really important, you know, whether a dog's colour is brown, yellow, pink, green, or or whatever. It's For us, it's about the work ethic, the phenotype of the dog, its attitude, the breeding behind it, the dogs that have been bred to produce this puppy, those before the lineage, all those sorts of things. You know, in the old days, you had you had the game-bred pigmen. And when you read the writings of these guys, they were very militant, very unemotional mm-hmm. is the word. When you look at the guys with the Dutch herders, very unemotional when it came to training, very methodical. Those days are behind now. And it, again, it's because of the ever-changing society we're living in, expectations of people, 
the passive society we live in. Um, a whole multitude of things. I mean, I could be even more controversial, but so I think with the bauble breed, I don't know. I think you would need to have. Look, I wrote in my book many years ago, and I talked about this. To, in order to resurrect a real working type bauble, you would have to work with a multitude of people, a small community. But within that small community, the problem is in the dog world par se, people are very, it's very difficult to get people to listen to instructions and to follow orders. Then there's a multitude of the human ego. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then having to go through all of that to get a standard accepted and for people to be diligent and militant enough to to put aside feelings emotions and and egos and to say yep well this is what we require to do and this is what we must do i mean i know certainly in the presser canario breed the avd they've managed very successfully to do this um and they have a very rigid working dog test um and kudos to them do they always get it right maybe not but it's a bloody good starting point. And it's certainly something that most of the breed enthusiasts and breeders should aspire, particularly in the bull breed, should aspire to emulate. Mm -hmm. And that's my personal opinion. And, and I think the bauble, very difficult. There are baubles there, but you'd have to be very selective and if you're a working dog person and you have a proven track record with working dogs, then you are entitled to demand from a breeder certain requirements. And the problem happens, and, and this I think is a, again a consumer thing, is the lack of accountability from the consumer to hold the breeder responsible and the elevation of a breeder. So elevating a breeder to this almost godlike status where they decide what dog you can pick and, and, and their dogs are beyond accountability or anything else is just ridiculous. I mean, we, the consumer, put them in that position and gave them that. And I think only you, the consumer, has the right to take that away from them, especially if you're a working dog person. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the problem. I mean, it's not, not rocket science to breed dogs, right? You know, people have been doing it for thousands of years, right. animal husbandry. It's like, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, um, but I, I just think in the old days they used to just give dogs for free and, and 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 say okay train the dog and when the dogs you've got the dog to a certain position and it shows great ethic then that is our way of getting promotion and marketing and that's what would have happened within the German Shepherd world and other working dog breeds border collies again working Labradors. Um, yeah, I think the bull breeds, 
I think the dog Argentina, for example, how many people hunt with doggos now? Mm-hmm. So, the Bull Terrier. What a great dog. A formidable dog. You know, I mean, again, how many people are doing anything with the Bull Terrier now? And, you know, it's. I suppose this is where we're at. This is the point we're at currently with the breeds. I mean, what's your take on it? Uh, my take is, yeah, I think the more, you know, especially what I see here in, in North America, Canada, and the U.S., the more urbanized we've become, the less we seem to have a, a use for dogs that have their original drive, you know. And so I think people who are invested their time, money, and energy into a breed, you know, if they have a pup, a litter of 10 and, <clears throat> you know, they only sell one because they don't have a market for them, they're stuck with nine puppies. So that's a fear for a breeder that maybe has all the tools in their in their toolbox and but then like I said they're so invested with all this money and time they need a market and the market is proving to be a market where they want a watered down versions of these dogs people like a like the look but they don't want the temperament that comes with that look and so you then a lot of times then the look ends up changing because like you said you could tell by the look of a puppy that where their workability is going to come and so all of a sudden that look becomes the dominant and that comes with lesser drive and more of a couch potato um atmosphere but where I <clears throat> oh here's a question so I look at the KNPV right the the herders and I'm sure that there's problems with KNPV and I'm sure there's issues and and I don't know the inner meesing of, of of that but what I do on from the outside looking in what I see is um they're not really worried about um, DNA. They're worried. They're worried about structure, health, and performance. And so, if that means they got to throw a little pit bull or a little greyhound or whatever it is to perfect their craft, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it because they're not showing these dogs. They're working them. So what if a Borbul community had that mindset? What would that look well, like? And, and I totally, totally agree with you. So I think, for me, I think the... Look, in my book, I wrote about this, where the bubble started, and it started for me on a big bluff. It was a big marketing propaganda at the very beginning. Um, it was about the Africana national heritage and a mascot dog that would fit into their heritage. A lot of it was fairy tale and romance. 
they were isolated because of apartheid from the rest of the Western world and the world for a considerably large amount of time, which meant they were insulated. And as they were insulated, their levels and skill levels, for me, from an international perspective, were pretty low on the radar. And so IPO, KPV, Mondeo, French Ring, all those different sports and, and disciplines were well, well, not within the reach of um, that community. And also, you've got to remember, it's the community and the society and everything else. So they picked dogs that were big and impressive and everything else, but I suppose a lot of homework didn't get done, like hips, elbow testing, which is stuff that is usually evaluated through a working dog. And there were farmers who did have dogs that ran many kilometres in the hot sun. But you've got to remember the Rhodesian Ridgeback came from the same country. Mm-hmm. And the Ridgeback, you see the difference between the Ridgeback and the Bauble in terms of consistency and type. But again, the Rhodesian Ridgeback through the shore, shore work and everything became polluted, right? Like in South Africa, they are struggling. They're having to import dogs from the USA to increase the size of their Rhodesian Ridgebacks because they become too small. So would it be possible to put a bauble into the Rhodesian Ridgeback? Possibly. Uh, but, you know, the bauble, I mean, I talked to many colleagues about this, and that's a really good question. You pointed out, yes, it would improve the bauble tremendously because we both know that wide wide chests small legs wide heads hanging jowls do very little for a dog and for a dog of african heritage i don't know how it would maintain any sort of um, physical exercise consistently in the heat of South Africa without keeling over. I mean, I can take a lot of baubles and bull braids out in the hot sun and they collapse. Mm-hmm. It's too hot for them. It's like, so, so this is the thing. If I don't collapse, I don't expect my dog to collapse. If I can tolerate pain and sufferance, I expect my dog to. I mean, for me, this is equality, right? It's like I'm treating you as an equal. But what I'm not going to do is give my dog special treatment. Right. I mean, if you're in the Marines or you're in the SEALs, for example, you don't give another colleague special treatment because, oh, they're fat and overweight and they're not built for it and therefore we've got to give them special treatment, right? You don't do it, right? It's like, get out of here or we're dead. We're all dead because of you. Mm-hmm. Well, why should it be any less for a dog? So if I can do this to my own species, this unemotional in, in, indiscrimination, why all of a sudden has it become not normal to do this to a dog, mm-hmm. an animal? I just don't get it. Right. There's no quick fix 
to building back a a workability of of a certain breed is there well, I think there could be I mean what you would probably do is you would probably breed a bauble to a, a more lighter framed running type mastiff and 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 then you probably need three or four people who'd all do the same and then you compare them and what other puppies are no good you simply cull them you know you don't pass them on you cull them and then you keep the ones that are good that you need to select for and then you will use them and, and breed from them and then you monitor the prone and you train and the training you have to do is incredibly hard demanding and stressful just how the KPV dogs were, 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 were formed because the training itself was hard so hard it had to be hard to get the qualification it's like you do a PhD or you become a neurosurgeon you're, why why does a neurosurgeon get paid more or is it, or more prestigious than say the local GP mm-hmm. because he's bloody at the work hard and he's gone through stress and many other things why did the marine become a marine and not a foot soldier well he had to go three days with no food three days no sleep you know so all these things the resilience this part was once upon a time admired in society and i feel that these things are I think the masses of mediocrity will pull down those who strive for greatness. So something that I think about, I don't have the same need for a dog that say that somebody like yourself would. So I think there's two paths that are traveling parallel, but on, on, are, are, are going on opposite ends, right? Mm-hmm. We both want structurally sound dogs, healthy dogs, dogs that can actually do whatever do performance we want, you know, whether it be dock yeah. diving yeah. or, you know, uh, even the show ring. Absolutely. But I think what needs to happen and this is could be a, a pie in the sky and i know that i'm 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 amateurish to real dog trainers and breeders enthusiasts is that they're just like the KMPV is not the same as a dutch shepherd fci show dog right they're two different strains strains and yeah, they and they selection processes and they they look similar they may have similar traits but they're different and yeah. everybody knows i have a kmpv dog no i have an fcai dog and you're going to know yeah. exactly the difference and everybody's happy mm-hmm. i think the problem is is that for whatever reason the fci people and i'm just it it could be the AKC, it could be whatever, are are so 
dead set against these sorts of things that they can't let it be. And then there's this, like, oh, we got to do it in secrecy. We can't, I can't throw a, a one-eighth pit bull into this and, and you know, without uh, getting, even in some, what I see in some European countries, even the government involved, like, we can have two different strains and still fulfill the needs of each market. You know what I mean? And, and there, to yeah. me, there, there is a market. But well, I mean, this is a really, really good question. You, 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 and a good point you made, Son. However, is there a market? This is the thing, right? You see, I, if there was a market, it would have already been built up in the bauble world, for example. Right. So, for example, if I put down a bauble on the social media, I don't know, sat with a with a with a bunny rabbit hat on and sat by the fire <laughs> chewing a bone. It's like eighty, ninety kilos and it's drooling all over, it'll get like thousand likes, right? Yeah. It elicits the emotional response of of the of almost a juvenile mind. It's like, oh cute, everything. If I put a dog that's doing I don't know, an IPO three routine I'll maybe get three likes. Even though someone has worked blood, sweat and tears of three years of hard work and sacrifice to get that dog to do the trials and would elevate the states of that dog, it would elicit less response than the dog sat down that can't even get up. Mm -hmm. And that makes you make a question mark, right? You wonder. So, for example, we talked about this for years, a split in the bauble breed, the working baubles and shoreline baubles, right? Just like the German Shepherd people done. But inevitably, even in the shoreline, right? I mean, the shoreline German Shepherd world is big money. Big, big money. Yeah. So the working German Shepherd people always go over to the shoreline world as well because of the money that's in there. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, you see, the days of hunting, you can't hunt no more. Not in the UK. No more badger baiting, no more. No more hair coursing. Hmm. No more fox hunting. Right. So, and you mentioned something else the other, earlier on, you said to me, well, you see, most people who buy the bull beats, they like the look of them, but not the, not the drives, anything else, and that is why. Mm -hmm. But that posed another question, and this really really is the underlying issue of the dog world and, and, and modern society. Well, I like the look of something. I want it, but mm -hmm. do I need it? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes you question the morality of the society we live in. Mm -hmm. 
You see, there was a time when people really needed a dog, right? Right. There's dogs that hunt truffles, truffle hunting dogs, because the pigs used to eat all the truffles, right? When they've got that. It's like, okay, there's like a thousand pound truffle there, and the pigs had it. Like, that's an expensive slice of bacon I'm going to have tonight. Hmm. Um, so it's, there was a time, but now, what do we do? So, spot the spot world song. What is spot world? Well, the sport world is not really about the dogs. It's more about the people competing, right? These are highly competitive people. The dogs are their hobby. They enjoy the sport. They enjoy the the, the team uh, that they work with. Um, and it becomes a lot about the people, right? But that's a lifestyle choice. And people, other people's lifestyle choices, well, I go to work, I, I, I'm, you know, I have a life that is, you know, just whatever it is. And I want to have a dog that I can that gives me an excuse to get out the house to go for a walk. And that was the number one thing that people got dogs in lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Because they said, "Well, I need the dog gives me an excuse to get out the house and go for a walk." Right. But I might as well get something that I like the look of, and that makes me feel good. And so this is my point, like it's about wanting and needing and the society we live in now that wants and they want big, heavy dogs, can't move, dysplastic, can't even go on a hike with the dog, can't go running with them. If you're a jogger, you have an active lifestyle, are you going to get a bog or a mastiff? Mm -hmm. For the first year, you can't run so heavily with them because their dogs haven't even formed. You know, you've got to be careful. People are picking the dog up and lifting it at the back of the car. I mean, think about it in, like, societies in Africa, South America, places like that where you have the village pariah dogs, so on, mm-hmm. where there's no comfort or nothing else. And think about how these dogs are healthy. There's a lot of vitality. They've got to forage, use their noses, mm-hmm. use their brains. They're able to cross the road zone. Dogs that can live as, as pariah dogs in urban environments and still be able to cross the road and get not, and not get knocked over. Mm-hmm. They're able to work as a team, which is only really ever seen in wolves, right? Right. These are all questions that, like, you know, we... we we have to, and, and you know, there is a point I'm getting at here, and I suppose the audience would have to read between the lines exactly what I'm trying to say here. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why we get to this stage, and, and that doesn't mean that I won't follow, because I'm, I, I'm a great believer of individuality and not group thinking, and mm-hmm. I believe in the power of the individual, and therefore... It's the individual who must make a choice and say, well, this is what I like to do, this is what I'm going to do, and not follow the group thinking mentality. And I think that's what probably destroyed a lot of these breeds. I mean, look, 
Colonel Graham Hancock wrote it in his book, The, the Big Mastiffs and Game Hunters, many years ago. M.B. Wynn, in his, in his book, the, the, the Mastiff, wrote about the crossing of the St. Bernard to the, to, the, to the English Mastiff and how it ended up becoming a cripple because of this crossbreeding. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd done it in South Africa with the bauble, crossed it. That's how you got the pie bauble. Bauble, which was once part of Sabs. Then that was bred profusely. Then it was, then one chairman came in and said, I don't like pie balls, therefore they, we're going to remove them all from the gene pool of the bauble, which then culminated in a, in, in, in a different type and phenotype. And then later on, 10 years later, they decided, let us bring the pie ball back in and accept it. Right. But by then, it had died out. You saw 10 years ago, I used to find so many brindle bobbles. Now I can't find a brindle anywhere. Mm. They've gone from the gene pool. It's, <laughs> yeah. you, know, it's like, you know, it's like watching a car crash happen. So. Can I, can I interject here? Yeah, second? go for it. I'm done. Yeah, go for um, it. So I tell everyone, because people hark on a lot about, I need a personal protection dog. Yeah. And from my own experience, I can tell them, everyone, and I tell everyone this, if you want a personal protection dog, and a dog that you don't even need to train, get yourself a Kangal or a Caucasian or Chakra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because everywhere I've been across the world, son, the only dogs that naturally perform without training are the, are the livestock uh, uh, the gu- livestock guardian breeds, particularly yeah. the Ochakras and the Kangals. Yeah. It is a natural instinct of these dogs. If I have a three-year-old child and I have to leave it, I'm going to leave it with an ultra-dominant Kangal mm-hmm. or an ultra-dominant uh, Chakra, gentle as mice with the small ones and children. But formidable protectors, yeah. like no one is going through. And it, I mean, they're my favorite breeds. Kangal is my number one favorite breed. Mm-hmm. If you wanted my honest choice for a protection dog, I would have a Kangal all day long because you know what? It does exactly what it says on the, the tin. So I've been, I've been doing a lot, and this comes into your training. I've been doing a lot of research lately. And yeah. I think people overuse the personal protection dog. There is yes. a there is a there to me something like a Dutch herder, Malinois, whatever, uh mm. KMBV type German Shepherd, whatever. Mm. Mm. Those are attack dogs. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are dogs that serve a great purpose for sport. Yeah. And for work. Yeah, for military. Yeah, police, police, everything. And and they are the best breeds for that, for for multiple Mm -hmm. reasons. Mm. But are they a personal protection dog? No, because most people are not going to want to put up with the behaviors that come with an attack dog. Yes, absolutely. Right? So... There is a difference between, I think, a guard dog with defensive drive and an attack dog with prey drive or a sport dog with prey drive. And I think we overuse these protection thing and, and 
And for me, they're both very important, but they they both are totally different dogs. And I think uh, we we lose sight of that. And and I think you as a as a trainer, you see it every day. You work with it. You know the difference. Like you can't train it. Yeah. You can't train a freaking Kangle to to do anything hardly. You yeah. know that's really interesting. You say that, Sean. And and so there's a couple of points I'd probably debate with you about, and that is, I think German Shepherds, for example, and I think. All breeds have defence in them, right? Right, but I think that, like, so some dogs have more a lot of prey drive, and they're prey-driven dogs, and they've been selected for prey. But I think every dog has a defensive part of it, and it's about bringing that out and tapping into it. The problem that happens, so for example, in the personal protection dog world, for example, if you have Mallies and, and and herding dogs, then they will automatically use the prey, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to tap into. It's it's the strongest drive, and so there's no point in working a dog in a weak drive, right? Because then you set precedent to how it's going to work throughout the duration of that training. Um, I think that German shepherds are good family dogs. Are they? Are they as laid back as a Kangal or a, or a or a Chakra? No. I think those are a lot more sedentary dogs. They're happy to do nothing and they're low what I call low maintenance dogs. Right. I think if you're like if you're a woman who likes to go running into the mountains and stuff, you're gonna wanna have yourself a German Shepherd or a Mali or a herder and say, you know, we're going out on a run together and it's great because the dog loves the run it gets the company you know it's like you know and you have to train right all dogs need to be trained but can it now this is the thing can a kangle be trained and can a ochakra be trained absolutely are they hard to train probably yes a little bit more difficult than a mali or a german shepherd right. or or, a, or another dog but can a mali or a German Shepherd or a herder, probably less the herder, I would say, because it's a much more hard dog for me. Like, handler hard as well, right? Can they be effective family dogs? But they would have to be... They, they, those can be effective family dogs and personal protection dogs in only in a very lively family. Right. Only in a, in, a, in a family that's very active. Right. Like if you've got the, the sort of nine to five family will come on, uh, put a microwave meal in the, in, the, in, the, in the microwave, sit down on the sofa, watch Love Island or Big Brother types of people, never read a book in their lives, then this is probably not the dog for them. Mm-hmm. If you've got a dog that's, you know, if you've got a family that's constantly active, doing sports, hiking, swimming, all those sorts of things, and these dogs are brilliant dogs. They're brilliant, and they can be well trained. But if I want a dog that I don't have the time for training, but I know that, and, and I don't need a high maintenance dog, but I need a dog that's formidable and guaranteed to protect, then I'm going to probably get a Tangle or a Chakra because I've seen these dogs all over the world and that, that their protective attitude of them is phenomenal. Yeah. It's like out of this world for me. You're right. It's like really bloody good breeding from very, very 
grown-up people. And, you know, the Turkey, Turkey, the guys, the farmers, they don't have much money. They can't afford for their sheep to be, you know, all people coming and stealing their sheep. And these dogs are just absolutely bloody phenomenal. And, you know, uh, the fact that you've got one now and you've, like, paid $200 or $250 for yeah. it, you know, it shows me, it resonates, and, you know, my heart smiled yeah. because what I see was a really, really, it's almost like I was speaking to myself. Mm-hmm. The, like, I paid 250 and I've got a dog that does exactly. And you know what, Sean? It tells me where your priorities are and how clear your mind is. Yeah. It's the clarity of mind. So someone pays... Thirty thousand pounds for a, for a protection dog for me. It's like okay. Well, we know dogs learn in pictures, right? And if you haven't trained enough pictures for that dog, at some point it's going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. And I think with Kangle, it's naturally it's instinctive. It's instinctive. I think you know, it's like it's it's poetry. But I trained Caucasian or chakras in Belgium for a woman who, a very petite lady, who wanted to take her dogs, um, an incredibly powerful, very strong-minded lady, and great admiration for her, you know. And and she said, Vijay, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to take my dog into the into this town centre and not have him pulling or trying to attack or. Or, or kill people and other dogs, and <laughs> she got what she wanted. Yeah. After I spent ten days in Belgium, she got what she wanted. You know, and it was clear, effective communication. All dogs, at some point. I mean, you know, even in Turkey, the Kangals they go past other dogs as the as the farmers are passing each other. The dogs will go past other dogs from the other flock of sheep. And sometimes there's posturing, and sometimes they come on, move on, the dogs move on. Sometimes the the males will have a little bit of a rack, and there'll be a little bit of a thing, and it's like, okay, this is what happens, and we move on. But again, now you have another problem. You're living in an urban society. Yeah. You live in an urban society, and the male dogs have a fight. What do you think happens? Yeah. In the 70s, for me, male dogs having a fight in the park was normal, right? Yeah. But I, I, I also want to put something to you. I'm the audience. In the 1970s, I walked in the park. 95% of the people walking dogs in the park were men. In 2021 and two, 95% are women. Yeah, isn't that strange? Right, right. Well, it isn't strange, but this is... I'm not going to tell you my theory on this but i'm gonna put a point across to the audience to think about why is that do they think and why is that now do you think that has any effect on the way we treat and look at dogs today in modern society and do you think there's any correlation between that and the death of the working dog where the original when you've done sport work, for example, we use proper sticks, right? Bamboo oh. kids. Now they've gone for a padded stick. Now the padded stick has been banned. 
So I want to show you all the correlations of this, right? And and nothing in life is ever a coincidence. It's like everything is coordinated. But it, so, you know, if if a, if a dog fights in, in Turkey, because that's what male dogs do, if you go with playground, boys fight, right? Right. Part of growing up. Yeah. Yep. So, why is it now, let's just say I'm in London, two male dogs fight? Is it seen as being something so traumatic that it creates a trauma and therapy for humans, even? Makes you wonder. Well, it, 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 I'm leaving a seat of thought for someone to think about this. Because at some point, somewhere, you're going to find out exactly between the lines where I'm coming from here. And, and, and this is where I will move on to the next topic. <laughs> right. You know, uh, it's... But, yeah, that's, a, that's a, uh, another point I wanted to just insert into the conversation. 